Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, we are concluding our study here in the book of Ephesians and then moving to the book of Leviticus next week. And um, so we'll uh, finish up here today. As Christians, we must acknowledge that we are in an ongoing spiritual battle. Satan and his host of demons are on the offensive, and they would love nothing greater than to see you fail and to see me fail. The Holy Spirit knows this, and so He has equipped you and I for the fight. The way that we fight is by finding our strength not in ourselves, but in the strength of God's might, as we saw last week. The battle is not against flesh and blood, so we need supernatural armor to protect ourselves against the spiritual battle that is raging. If we were fighting a physical battle, we would need physical armor. But when we have these conflicts with people, maybe even people within our own home, it's not really the person with whom we're having the conflict. It's really against uh, spiritual forces that are in the world, Satan's host of demons, and even our own flesh. There's a battle going on. And so we need, in order to fight in this battle, we need supernatural armor to protect ourselves. And so the way that we stay strong in the Lord is by putting on the panoply, the full armor of God. And the goal, remember, of putting on that armor. Why why do we need to stand strong in the Lord? So that we can stand firm. Remember several times in the text so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil and having done everything to stand firm and then finally stand firm, therefore. So our job is not to go on the offensive against Satan and his demons, but to stay on the defensive. Our job is not to destroy Satan and his demons. God's going to take care of that. Our job is to stand firm, to hold our ground. That's what the word means there. And so all of our armor has to do with dependence upon God and His Word. And the methods that we use are all done in order for us to be able to stand. And so it's not surprising that Paul concludes this section and this letter with a call to prayer. We enlist God's help in our fight against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We can't overcome our enemy, and so we need God's help. We pray for God. In other words, we can't gear up our spiritual armor. We cannot resist. We cannot stand firm without this essential privilege and necessity. Prayer. We must pray. So we need to be constantly alert through prayer. Even Paul needed it. And if we want to be successful, if we want to be able to stand firm so that in the end, having done everything we have stood against the schemes of the devil, then Paul, through or the Holy Spirit through Paul, tells us that we must depend on God's on God through prayer. So let's read this text of Scripture, Ephesians six verses eighteen through twenty four. This is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. 
and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me and the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak but that you also may know about my circumstances how I am doing Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Spiritual strength comes through prayer. We're called to be strong in the Lord. That's what verses 10-17 through 17 are about. Be strong in the Lord so that you can stand firm. If we're going to have spiritual strength, it only comes through prayer. So, we need to see three things in this text about our prayer for spiritual strength. Number one, we need to pray for spiritual strength for ourselves. Or pray for spiritual strength for yourself. Pray for spiritual strength for yourself. Verse 18. So with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be on the alert. There is a great need for us to pray. And we need to understand that this prayer that is called of us, that, that is a responsibility of us, is connected to the previous text. Notice the first word in verse 18. With all prayer. Now if you notice in the margin of your Bible, under verse 18, that there's another alternative. Or actually, they give you the literal rendering of the English translation. What would it literally read? Instead of with all prayer, it reads what? Praying. Okay, so that's a participle that refers back to being strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm. Praying. This is a continuation of what we've done. Now, this is not a separate piece of armor. Paul doesn't give it another piece of armor, but he says in order for you to put on that armor, in order for you to depend upon God for the spiritual strength, you need to do it with prayer. That's why the the translators of the New American Standard put with all prayer. It's It's connected to the previous section. And we also know it's connected to the previous section because of of the second line. With all prayer and petition, pray at all, line, at all times, verse 18, in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert. It seems that Paul is using this phrase, with this in view, to point back to the spiritual battle that we're in. In other words, knowing that we are in a spiritual battle, with this in view, then be on the alert. So, as we put on the armor, stand up for Jesus, the song says, put each piece on with what? Each piece put on with prayer, right? And I think the song gets it right. While we engage in this battle to stand firm, we must pray. Notice how serious we must be about this prayer. Notice how often it's, it's stated, the word all is stated in this verse. Verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance. For all the saints. Okay, so the fact that Paul uses the word all in this way supports the idea that it's not a weapon 
that he's talking about, but, but must accompany the, the putting on of each, west, of each weapon. That it must be a regular part of our alertness as a soldier. That's the command there. Be on the alert. This reminds me of Jesus in Mark chapter 14 when He says, Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. So watch and pray. Were they supposed to do two things there? They're supposed to keep watch and pray? No, I think what Jesus is saying there is be watchful through prayer. That's the idea there. The way that you're watchful against temptation is through prayer. Here's the same idea that Paul's saying. Here's how we are alert as Christians. We pray. We continually depend upon God. This alertness is not talking about being alert while we pray. Certainly, we need to do that. You know, don't be lazy in your prayer. Don't fall asleep in prayer. That sort of thing. We probably could use some commands in that way, but that's not what Paul is saying. Instead, he's saying, here is how you are alert. Here is how you go on the, the, the offensive in a way. How you are alert is through your prayer. Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Petition there, mentioned in the first line, is one element of our praying. It's simply asking. It's one part of our prayer. So so basic point of this first part of verse 18 is that the way that we are alert is through prayer. It shows that we are utterly dependent upon God. And this, this utter dependence upon God, our constant dependence upon God, is most clearly seen in the next phrase. At all times. So we have the need for our prayer, but now we see the frequency of our prayer at all times. Why do you think it's necessary for us to at all times be in communication with our commanding officer? Why is it necessary? Okay, because there are no spiritual veterans on this earth, right? We're always engaged in the battle. We're always on the front lines of God's work fighting against the host of demons and Satan and this world and our own flesh. So that's why the frequency is so important. Not just, you know, kind of whenever. Keep the communication line between yourself and God always open. Constantly praying to Him. We live on this earth and as we do, we will always be at war spiritually. We will always be at war. Our help in prayer is seen in the next phrase. So with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Here's our help in the Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We learn there from Romans 8.26 that the Spirit prays for us. He intercedes on our behalf. And He teaches us how to pray. He helps apply the Word of God to our prayers. Now, that doesn't come from Romans 8. I actually see that here in this text. What Paul does is he connects our dependence upon the Word of God and our dependence upon God through prayer. And the way that he does that is through this help that he sent, the Spirit. Now, start in verse 17. I'll show you and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
So we depend upon God through His Word, as we saw last time. And what is the, the Word of God called? The sword of whom? Uh, of whom? It is the sword of the Spirit. So it is the Spirit that, that helps us depend upon the Word of God. And also in verse 18, with all prayer in the Spirit. So the way that the Spirit connects, He helps us in our prayer, is not only does He pray for us, but He actually teaches us how to pray. And how, do we, how are we taught to pray? Well, we learn from people who have prayed. You look in the text of Scripture and see how believers of old have prayed to God. And we have a whole collection of psalms that help us in that way, don't we? In addition to all sorts of prayers by the Apostle Paul, by our Savior Himself, by Old Testament saints, men and women, we have people praying to God. And so we learn as the Spirit enlightens us about the truth of Scripture and about what we ought to be praying for, He helps us. He prays for us, but He also helps us to learn how we ought to pray. Notice in the next line, our faithfulness in prayer. With all perseverance and petition. With all perseverance and petition, we may grow tired in this battle that, we, that is raging. But we have to recognize that it is our duty to hold our ground from the attack of the enemy. So we need to constantly be vigilant in our prayer. Every one of us as Christians, this is not the job of the pastor only. This is not just the job of church leaders. This is the job of every Christian to be vigilant in prayer. And so the first point that I think that Paul is making in his conclusion here is to pray for your own spiritual strength. You're in a battle. And you need to pray for spiritual strength. So, let me say this in, in both a positive and a negative way. First, I'll say it in the words of Paul in Philippians 4.6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Talk to God about the battle in which you are. You have a direct line of communication to God the Father, so pray. He wants to hear what is going on in the battlefield. And He wants to hear it from you. So talk to Him about it. And a negative, a negative statement would be this. And this is from Daniel Aiken. He says, It's impossible to stand against the enemy apart from vigilance and prayer. So what, all, the, all of what we talked about last week, how we need to be vigilant and stand up, put our armor on, and don't let the, the enemy breach our line, our, our line of allies, right? That cannot happen apart from prayer. We cannot hold our ground. We need the strength that God supplies. Be strong in whom? In the Lord, in the strength of His might. And here's how we do it. By depending on God's Word last week and now through prayer. Opening that line of communication, talking to Him. So, pray for your own spiritual strength. We're in a spiritual battle. Our job is to stand firm, to fight with the strength that God supplies and to talk to God about our needs. But, we're not fighting alone. I am not fighting alone. You are not fighting alone. We are fighting 
alongside other Christian soldiers. And so the next point, number two, is we need to pray for spiritual strength for other believers. Notice verse 18. Be on the alert, middle of the verse, with all perseverance and petition. For whom? For all the saints. So, before we apply this to our lives, pretty straightforward, we need to see the object of our prayers. For whom are we praying? We ought to be praying for other believers. All the saints is what Paul says. Now, certainly we should pray for non-saints, shouldn't we? We should pray for unbelievers, right? But the Holy Spirit shows us here in this text that our, one of the things that we ought to pray for the most is for other believers. It's for all saints. So who is included in this? All the saints. Is Paul calling for us to pray for every single believer in the world? Is Paul calling uh, for us to, to pray for each of them by name? I mean, certainly we can't pray for them by name, every believer in the world, can we? No. So, then if, if we can't pray for every believer in the world by name, then is Paul calling for us to just give out a generic stress symbol, signal, excuse me, signal. You know, pray for all the believers in the world. Is that what we ought to pray for? Is that how generic we ought to pray? And I would suggest to you that's not what Paul had in mind. Instead, I believe that Paul is calling for us to pray specifically by name and request for all the saints. And I'm going to add this little uh, qualification that we know. Particularly the ones who are in our church. The believers within our community. And the, the reason that I believe that this is the case from the text is that we're going to see here, Paul's going to call for believers to pray for him. And you know what he does after he calls for them to pray? Did you notice when we were reading through that? He sends somebody, doesn't he? Why does he do that? He sends Tychicus so that they would be comforted in their hearts. So they wouldn't just be praying for generic things about Paul and then not knowing how it turned out. And so I think the implication from that is that we ought to be praying for people about whom we're going to know whether our prayers are answered or not. And we're praying specifically enough that we know if God answered or not. Not just pray for all the believers. So I would say it this way. We ought to pray for all the saints specifically enough that we're able to tell if it has been answered. If I just prayed, I pray for spiritual strength for all Christians in the entire world. That may be a helpful prayer, but we would never know if that were ever answered, would we? How would we know? We prayed for all the Christians in the world. You see, it's not a specific prayer and it's not about specific people. And, in fact, we wouldn't be able to do what God wants us to do in answered prayer. Which is what? Is it not to give Him glory for answering a specific request? See, God wants us to pray specifically for specific people and specific requests. And we can't know if God has answered us if we don't pray specifically. So based on that, I think Paul is calling us to pray for all the saints within our community. 
within our church. Now, certainly we can pray for other Christians that we know outside of our church, but at the very center of what we ought to be praying for is the, the people with whom we have covenanted together in one community. And so this most natural group of believers that we ought to be praying for is the category of our church. falls within the category of our church. So we're going to talk more about application at the end, but, but do you pray for the believers in this church by, by name and by request? Do you pray for other believers in this church by name or by request? Or are you lethargic in your prayer for others? Maybe it's because you have your eyes fixed on yourself and your own circumstances that you haven't taken time to look around to see the great burdens that other people are bearing in this church. Christian, lift up your eyes and look at the heavy loads your fellow believers are bearing. And when you do this, it will arouse you to pray. It's like you're standing in the battle line and all you're thinking about is yourself. You know, my gear's really starting to get heavy and the attack seems to be very much on me. Look over to the next person who's down on one knee and is about to give up. Do you see the heavy burdens that other people in this church are bearing? Pray for them. And if that doesn't lift your heart to pray, then perhaps your heart has become cold and calloused. One of the clearest ways for you to show love for other believers is for you to pray for them specifically and privately and to see God answer. It's one of the great ways that you can show love for other believers. So, pray for spiritual strength for yourself. Pray for spiritual strength for your leader, for for others, and I just gave you a hint on what the last one is, for other believers. And then thirdly, in verses 19 to 22, pray for spiritual strength for your leaders. Pray for spiritual strength for your leaders. I love this passage because Paul gives both the request and he, he works hard to make sure that they know the answer to the request, as I mentioned earlier. Paul here prays for himself. Paul prays for, in verses 19 and 20, for boldness. Notice, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me and the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If we think that prayer is just a nice privilege or just a nice bonus, you know, being part of a, being part of a Christian uh, community or you know it's just icing on the cake then we're wrong prayer is an essential part of who we are and if we don't see how vital it is for us then we ought to look at the apostle paul i mean if anyone didn't need prayer it was paul paul was this spiritual giant he was like a goliath in terms of spiritual strength He didn't need God's help, did he? And yet he recognized himself that he did, and so he prays, he asks for people to pray for him. Why? Because he knew he needed it. Paul 
needed prayer for spiritual strength. And how much more do we need it? How much more do we? Notice the nature of His request. It's not for health. It's not for safety. But instead, it's for boldness and faithfulness to the message of the Gospel. This is amazing if you think about it because we would think that Paul, of all people, would be exempt from the temptation to marginalize the Gospel or to to be unfaithful with the text of Scripture or to soften the Gospel. We would think that Paul wouldn't modify it in order to avoid persecution, and yet that's the very thing he prays that he doesn't do. He asks for people to pray for him in that way. And we forget that Paul was a sinner like you and me and that he faced the same temptations that you and I face. And yet he understood that his responsibility was to speak the Gospel faithfully and without fear and with boldness. And he knew that there was a direct connection between His boldness, His ability to properly speak about the Gospel, and the people's prayer. And so He gladly asked for prayer for Himself. Notice in verse 19, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Not that Paul didn't know what to say, but but that he would learn better what he ought to say. He recognized that there was room for improvement. I've preached the Gospel before, he thought, but, but I still need to improve. I need to make sure that it's as clear as possible. And so pray that I could understand and be able to articulate it in such a way. And he says, to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel. You remember the idea of mystery in chapter 3. It's not that which is mysterious or hidden, but that was that which was previously unknown. Paul was holding this beautiful gospel that had previously been unknown to previous generations. That is, they didn't know that Jesus was the Christ. They didn't know that Jesus would die for their sins in, in the way that He did and, and would be raised. And this is our message. We have the mystery of the gospel. Something that was hidden in previous ages, but now we have it and we can explain it to people. And then in verse 20, he says at the end, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's not offering up a false humility here. He's been a believer long enough to know that the only way that he's going to have spiritual victory is through the Spirit of God. Is if the Spirit works through him and in him. Paul certainly had failed enough times to know that without Christ, He could do nothing. And he knew that unless the Lord built the house, then they would labor in vain. He would labor in vain when he built it. So Paul sees his high calling to explain the mysteries of the Gospel and recognizes that he is utterly dependent on the people's praying for him. Notice what he calls himself in verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Now suppose that we had an ambassador come from a very strong superpower of a country. We would not expect to be coming in chains with two guards holding him and bringing him to us, would we? Not a very strong way to present your king, right? Coming in chains. And yet, Paul recognized, and we ought to recognize, 
that, that he and we can still be representatives of Christ even if we're imprisoned. And we can rep- represent the King of all kings in a very powerful way as we would expect an ambassador to do because we're representing the King no matter what physical limitations we may have. And so Paul asks for prayer for himself. But he goes one step further. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Well, let me show you here first, and then we'll turn. Okay, so he asks for prayer specifically for him, verses 19 and 20. And then in verses 21 and 22, he gives a report. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing, that is, how these prayers have turned out, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and they may, he, he may comfort your hearts. Why would they be comforted? Because they've been praying for Paul's spiritual well-being. And now Paul's sending a messenger so that they know how it turned out. So now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because I want to show you that Paul understood, and we must understand, the ultimate purpose of our prayers. We don't want to become nearsighted or self-focused when we pray for other people. Like, that was me. I was praying for that one. And see how my prayer was answered. Instead, we want to recognize that there's a higher, uh, there, there's a higher view that we must have. 2 Corinthians, 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Paul writes, For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. All things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Why does Paul want to see grace spread to more and more people? Why would Paul pray for grace to spread to more and more people? And the answer is right here in the text. It is so that those people who are receiving the grace of God would be able to give thanks to God so that the multiplication of thanksgiving would rise up in praise to God. So sometimes we have specific problems that are not too personal that we could share with other people and we don't. Sometimes we pray for those on our own and we're the only ones that give thanks to God when we see those answered. And yet what Paul recognizes is that as God's grace spreads to more and more people, as they see God answer prayers, the natural response of us as believers when we see God answer prayers is what? It's right there in the text. The giving of thanks to abound. To what's this great purpose? To the glory of God. God is not gloried, uh, is not glorified in the self-promotion of individual believers. He's glorified when thanksgiving, when the praise that sometimes it comes to us is deflected to Him. All glory belongs to you because you, God, are the one who did this. So Paul knew this when he asked for prayer for himself. Turn back to Ephesians 6. Paul knew this when he asked for prayer for himself. He knew that if he could get more people to pray for him, that 
when that was answered in a positive way or in any way, that those people would respond with thanksgiving to God, to His glory. And so in verses 21 and 22, he reports of his well-being. So that you may know my circumstances. What happens when we pray for someone and we don't know whatever came of it? Does that naturally turn us to praising God and giving Him glory? Not necessarily, because we don't know how it turned out. Again, why we need to pray specifically and and why when we ask for prayer for people, we ought to be telling them how it turned out. We ought to report of our well-being because uncertainty or ignorance about something that we've prayed about can lead to doubt, can lead to uneasiness. And so Paul understands that and he wants these people to give glory to God, to give thanks to God. And so he sends a faithful messenger Tychicus. Remember, Tychicus was the one who was entrusted by the churches to help take the money to Jerusalem for the famine relief. And so uh, so Tychicus goes along and he's a faithful partner of Paul's and Paul's saying, here, I'm sending him to you now. And that he may comfort your hearts, verse 22 reads. So, when we ask for people to pray for us, and our church is praying for you, then, you know, as a church, it's very encouraging for us to know how it turned out. That's why we love to hear how our missionaries are doing on a regular basis. Sometimes we can just say, you know, pray for the missionaries or pray for this missionary. But what? What are we praying for? What do we want to see happen? What have we seen happen? So when they respond and say, remember this rope that you were holding? Well, you did a good job because God has answered and, and God has responded to that request. And so it's very encouraging for us as a church and as individuals to know how these things turn out. And so Paul recognizes that and gives an answer to his uh, it gives a response to how it turned out. Now in verses 23 and 24, we have the closing benediction. And Paul prays basically for three things. And he expects, by the way, this letter to go beyond Ephesus to other churches in the area. So pr- three things for these churches. He prays for peace. He prays for love. And he prays for faith. Peace be to the brethren. The peace that he's calling for and that we experience as believers is really the presence of God. It is the peace of knowing that God is with us in our spiritual battle. That, that, that we can, can have a sense of God's presence. He comforts us in the battle. second thing he prays for is love. He prays that they would have love and love with faith. And then... Grace be, verse 24, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Notice last, uh, that last phrase there in verse 24, with incorruptible love. Literally it reads, in incorruption. In fact, if you look at the margin of your Bible, you see that. In incorruption. That is, without corruption, without hypocrisy, in sincerity. We, uh, those are two separate words. In sincerity. So, when we, we have this love that is done in sincerity, this, 
this love is linked to grace so that Paul is praying that believers would have a greater measure of God's grace and the immortality in this life and the life to come. He wants us to, to know His love and to experience and express that love to other people. And then the third thing he prays for is faith in verse 23. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith. A confidence in who God is and in His promises. So let me conclude with three points of application today that are drawn directly from the three main points of the text. Number one, pray for yourself constantly. Pray for yourself constantly. Christian, you are in a spiritual battle and you cannot win on your own strength. You need the strength that God supplies and it's the only way that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The way that you depend upon God is through that armor. The way that you're strong with the strength that God supplies is through that armor. And you put on that armor with prayer. Each piece put on with prayer. You have to be watchful by praying. You must keep your line of communication between yourself and the commanding officer open. So that as you're out there on the battlefield, does God know what's happening out in the battlefield? Yes, but does He not want to hear from you? Does He not want for you to send in a, a, a request to Him to tell Him where the line is failing? It's the only way that we can spiritually survive the attack of Satan, his demons, the world, and even our own flesh. It's through prayer. Pray for yourself constantly. Number two, pray for believers in this church specifically. Pray for believers in this church specifically. One of the clearest ways that you can show love for other believers is by constantly praying for them. I'm not talking about going around and telling everyone, hey, I'm praying for you, unless you are. There's nothing wrong with telling people you're praying for them, as long as you are. But, but I'm talking about privately praying for specific believers. You know what John says in his epistle? He says lots of people say they love God. But how can you love God whom you have not seen if you have not loved your own brother and sister in Christ whom you have seen? How can you love God if you're not praying for other believers? So pray for believers in this church and do it specifically. Sometimes we pray in such a way that that we would not know if God ever answered it. We pray so generically, as I mentioned before. So we need to pray specifically. Pray for specific people and specific requests. And sometimes we pray in such a way that this life is all there is to live for. Again, did you notice that Paul didn't mention anything about his physical health? Although he had some pretty significant health problems from all the beatings and from this thorn in the flesh that was not taken away from him. Shipwrecked. Cold. Without food oftentimes. He never mentions his physical health to ask other people to pray for it, at least in this passage. He doesn't pray for safety. Get me out of these chains. 
Paul's prayers and Paul's requests show that he is not living for this life. Paul's prayers show that he's living for the next life. Now, was Paul unconcerned about physical problems? Did Paul think that God couldn't answer those requests or that God wasn't concerned about physical problems? No, but that's not what he asked other people to pray for. He very clearly prayed for his own physical requests. And we have a record of apostles praying for physical needs of other believers. And so it's completely appropriate for us to pray for physical needs. In fact, uh, um, trying to think of the name of the king who was in uh, Israel for a long time and he, he sought out the physicians but didn't seek the Lord. He didn't consult the Lord and ask for God's help. Okay, so, so there's that negative example. And then you have in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, where John says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. And I think he's talking physically, just as your soul prospers. I love that verse because he says, I want your physical health to match your spiritual health. You are so strong spiritually that I pray that your, spirit, that your physical health would match your, your you understand what I'm saying your spiritual strength so sometimes we pray like this world is all there is to live for we, we pray about such temporal things and again God does care about temporal things but I think we have loads of texts from the scripture that say that that should not be the primary thing it should be something we pray for and we ought to be praying ourselves for everything at all times. Pray without ceasing. But when we're praying for other believers, when we ask other believers to pray for us, I think the primary thing we ought to be asking for is spiritual strength. Increasing our faith. Helping God to help, asking God to help us to understand more clearly the Scriptures. To, to be able to put away the sins that beset us. One of the clearest ways that you can show love for other believers in this church is to pray for them by name and to pray for them by specific request. Okay, when I say specific request, I'm not saying you have to know each sin that they're struggling with. Again, what kind of things is Paul praying for? He's talking about spiritual strength. Would you help increase their faith? Would you help them to see the Word of God in a clear way this week? And then that's something that you can actually see. Did God answer that prayer? One of the clearest ways we show love for other believers is to pray for them. And so let me just say very practically, if you're a member of this church, you ought to be praying for other members of this church. Not just a few. You ought to be praying for every member of this church. Do you do that? When was the last time you prayed by name for every single member of this church. Do you even know who the members of this church are? We have a church directory that very clearly spells those out. There's an asterisk by each name of the members of our church. Have you prayed for them? If you're not a member of this church, do you realize that one of the great privileges of being a member is that other members will pray for you? that I will pray for you on a regular basis. I do pray for every member of this church. 
That doesn't mean I don't pray for you if you're a non-member. But this is just one of the practical things is we pray for those who are part of our family that have that have covenanted themselves together in one body. We, we just pray for them because we love these people. And then number three, pray for me regularly. In God's eyes, I am no more valued than you are. I don't stand on a higher pedestal than you do. But I do have a constant temptation that you may not have. And that is to soften the blow of the Word of God when I preach it. When I talk with people. I have a temptation to change it in an unhelpful way so that people will accept me instead of learn and hear the Word of God. But you see, God wants me to speak boldly and clearly. And so, will you pray for me? Not just in my preaching. There are temptations that I face as well that I need your help to pray for me. I cannot stand on my own. I cannot stand on my own strength. I need the strength that God supplies. And part of the reason that I'm standing today is because people are praying for me. Part of the reason that you're standing today as a Christian, you haven't given up, you haven't turned around, you haven't retreated, is because people are praying for you. We cannot stand firm like we ought to in the strength that God supplies without prayer. So, will you pray for yourself constantly? Will you pray for other church members regularly and specifically? And will you pray for me constantly as well? Let's pray. Father, we admit that it is very easy to minimize this responsibility of, of ours to pray to You. We many times will remove this from our schedule because other things fill, fill up in its place. And things seem to go the same way when we pray as when we don't pray. And so we frankly, are lacking in faith like we we ought to have. And yet we see clearly from Your Word this morning that we cannot stand firm in this spiritual battle without prayer. And so we pray that You'd help us to pray constantly and for specific people and for specific requests and for things that matter for eternity more often than the things that are temporal and for our church leaders. May You give us the eyes to see the importance of our constant praying. And I pray that You would show Yourself strong in in growing us in this area of prayer. And we pray that You'd help us not to do it for our own glory, but for the sake of thanksgiving abounding to more and more people to Your glory. We want to see You praised and we want all the credit to go to You because it belongs to You. pray that You'd help us and that Your Spirit would be with us. In Jesus' name.